Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. All right, it is Eternals weekend. It's time to discuss. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you're a little bit behind in the nicest of ways. No no hate towards you. But um, I think, I, I mean, I think it's insane if you haven't seen it because I feel like at this point in Marvel, if you aren't watching it opening weekend and you are expecting to be able to not see spoilers, that's not, like, I don't know, you're kind of out there because you know like you can't avoid it at this point unfortunately we've reached the point where the mcu is so big that spoilers are coming out within a day or two of the movie so you gotta see it as soon as possible forget that spoilers were out two weeks before the movie even came out oh yeah this this movie was really bad they spoiled this one pretty early i am not gonna lie to you though i was very lucky and i was able to avoid pretty much all of them Um, so I was, I just was, like, very careful on my internet usage for the last two weeks. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the interviews with the cast, because I know Angelina Jolie apparently gave out some spoilers. I love her. Um, what a queen. Um, she's now in the special trio. The trio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Spoilers. So we love that. But yeah, I mean... Give me your reaction, Katie. I know you, we both saw it Thursday night separately, so I just, I just want to hear, what did you think? Uh, overall, I would give this one an eight. I thought it was pretty good. Honestly, I, it was a beautiful, like, just, like, cinematically beautiful, um, and I didn't expect anything less from the director. So I thought it looked great. I loved the storyline um, because it came out of left field from where I thought it was going. So it, it did a kind of another Shang-Chi moment where it was like, this is what we were expecting, and we got something very different, and I really liked that. The only reason I give it an eight is because I do think for a movie being about two and a half hours long, I do think almost 30 minutes of it, I think, probably could have been cut out. Or not cut out, but maybe just sped up a little bit, because I do think there were some moments that I thought, okay, a little bit slow. We could kind of have kept this moving, or it really I didn't think was as prevalent as it needed to be. And it, like, was a 10-minute scene when I was like, we could have done this in two. Like, that was really my biggest complaint was that it just had some of those moments where it was just it was just a little too slow for me where I just thought a little bit of waste of a time in that sense. Like, we could have been speeding this up, moving the plot along. Yeah, I honestly, I feel almost exactly the same. I was so shook. Like, I, like, don't get me wrong, I would go see Marvel movies 14 times. But this is the first one in a long time that I can think of that I felt like I need to see it again because I was so taken off guard by the twist just because of the way that they marketed the movie and how completely misleading all of the trailers were like I think the last time I felt this way was like what maybe Infinity War or probably Endgame like the like was the last time I literally like finished a movie and was like I I have thoughts, I can't even formulate them because I am just so shook right now. And like, not in a bad way. I just, they totally, to your point, caught me completely off guard. Um, So that was crazy. Absolutely nuts. And then I also, too, agree, like, they spent a lot of time in the movie debating the morality of their decision. And while I understand, like, that's the crux of the movie, I think it could have definitely been trimmed like I think they could have trimmed the fat a little bit on that I like I'm just thinking about that scene in the Duomo they like must have debated that for like 15 minutes on screen I was like okay give me even seven and a half like which is long for most movies like right you know I just don't know that we necessarily needed that for as long as we did but other than that I mean to your point it was beautiful their powers are stunning I mean the different historical eras that we got to visit like watching I really liked too the the way it was told in a series of flashbacks the twist I mean I just can't get over the twist I'm like still trying to wrap my head around it 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the flashbacks, but I think that was another section of time where I think there were certain parts that were just very long. And the flashbacks, to, and I think maybe that's because we're used to flashbacks that are not even close to as long. No, yeah. Um, not even in the MCU, but I think in general. So seeing 15, 20-minute flashbacks where they're just explaining, oh, they're they're here for this whole time, explaining this thing, the same thing again and again throughout this. It was like... We could have cut that a little bit. So I liked the, I did love the flashback idea. I just felt there was the moment where it was like, okay, there was, like, let's move it a little bit so that we can understand what's happening now. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I think as much as I love the twist, I think the one thing that disappoints me, and this is just like a me thing, I really liked Icarus as a character, and I also love Richard Madden. So I am, when he started flying off, like, off of Earth, I was like, oh my god, they're going to set him up as, like, an anti-hero type figure in a sequel. Like, he's going to come back and, like, whatever. Or he's going to, like, really spend some time trying to figure out what his new purpose is. Because I think he finally kind of came around in the end, obviously, after nearly killing his own wife. So it's like, I was, like, really excited for that and the character development. And, and then he killed himself. And I was like, no. Like, I really... I'm sad because I thought he would be a great character and I wanted to see Richard Madden be in the the MCU long term. And so I was definitely just on a personal level, like I think, you know, whatever it worked in the story, I was definitely sad that that's not a reality that we're going to get. Well, I was just pretty surprised by the amount of actual deaths there were because I know going into this, there had been a lot of there's going to be a second Eternals. There's going to be, like... And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and having to say, like, what was it, three or four? Like, or, well, I mean, considering Sprite is no longer technically, I guess, an Eternal, I kind of was like, oh, okay, so now we're down. And then they split up for, like, at the end, but obviously now we see, like, what's going to happen. But, like, so I was just a little thrown off, but I liked it. Like, I liked it a lot because it wasn't the atypical, or the I should say the typical, it was more atypical, of like, oh, you know, all the heroes are together, all the heroes fight together, all the heroes save the world. Like, it wasn't that, and I loved that, and I really, like, when I tell you Selma Hayek not being in, like, the actual, I was like, what? I know, when, like, when, I, <laughs> when I figured out, when they found her body, and I was like, so you're telling me. She is not in present day at all. She is not actually part of the main plot line of this movie. Are you, like, I wasn't angry. I was just like, they, they threw us the world's best curveball. I was like, you, I didn't well, even know what to say. To me, I, I view that as she was, a, so the director is a brilliant director. She really is. Um, and I think she took the best advantage of that moment. She did not look at those those actors and actresses and say, here are the big names, here are who people want to see. And I love that because that was one of my biggest issues from Eternals. And I know I said this in the predictions episode. I hated the fact that they were bringing in these big names because we didn't need big names because we were so established as an MCU already. And so I really like that she, she was like, not important. We don't care that their name is big. They're our character to me and this is how I'm going to direct them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, that one, that I couldn't get over that. I was like, oh my God. And then to find out that it was not a deviant that killed, I mean, yes, a deviant actually did the deed of killing her, but that it was Icarus who put her in that position. I was like, oh my God. Cause I, like I said, he was like my favorite and I was like, yeah, Icarus. And then I was like, oh no. Like when he said to, oh my gosh, uh, Kingo. I'm still trying to get my head around all of the names because there were I, 10 yeah, of same. them. <laughs> but when he said to Kingo, he was like, I'm not who you think I am. I was like, oh, it's definitely because she, Ajax offered him the leadership position and he didn't take it. Like, you know, because Kingo viewed him as the boss. Like he kept calling him boss, whatever. I was like, oh, it's just because he didn't want to take it. He didn't want the responsibility. But then to find out that the reason he said that is because he actually killed her. I was like, oh my God, I was... I was a wreck. I was like, no, no, please. Well, and I just, okay, I'm going to, because we're kind of on this topic, I'm going to say one of the biggest issues I had with the movie, besides like the slow part, I guess I should say the, and it's really the only issue I have with the plot, was it brought back an issue we have had in previous Marvel movies, 
And there, are, there's a couple of them, but that I'm not even bothered to name them. You're gonna know who I'm talking about when I state the issue. There was the a slight problem of too many villains. Oh my god, I'm so glad you said that because I thought that yeah, that some of the storylines got so. I was like, when it got to the final battle and they're fighting the Eternal and they're fighting the Deviant and they're fighting Icarus, I was like, okay, but who's like the bad guy here like maybe I'm I don't know if I was being too simplistic like wanting just like one clear-cut villain but at the same time I was like I I just like need a little bit more simplicity in this plot like it was just a little too too much yeah and I understood the whole point of the deviants especially once you explain like Icarus and like his part and what all that was about like okay I get it but it was just a little strange to me that we had this very strong deviant that, and I love Thena, but like everyone was struggling to fight the deviant before it absorbed Gilgamesh. And so like, I was like, okay, so now she did it, which I was like, okay. But so we had this really strong deviant, which was like this complete side plot. Um, yeah, which <laughs> and then it was like everyone was else. another way that they completely curveballed us because the deviants had been marketed as the main villain, which obviously they're not going to show the main villain in, in the trailer, but I just want to point that out as another way where they were completely misleading, you know, like, oh, Eternals versus Deviants, like, this is the big, you know, thing, and then here it's like they're actually fighting a Celestial, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in length, because that has some major MCU ramifications. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, like, it's weird, too, because are we going to now address this in future movies? Because the entire world was clearly, like, getting messed up here. So not only did we just have, like, the blip happen, because they mentioned it multiple times, but what's going to be happening with, like, this whole point now with Celestials and the fact that the Celestial was trying to come out of Earth? I am so glad you said that. I literally tweeted that yesterday. I was like, "Are you can't have future movies that do not address this. Like, it needs to be talked about in No Way Home. What is Strange doing? Strange had to have felt something going on. Like, he had to have... Well, there's no way he didn't. They literally say it in the movie where they're like, there was a global earthquake. Well, not even just beyond like, that. I'm talking like he's tapped into all that cosmic energy. Like, there's no way he didn't feel a cosmic being awakening in the earth. Like, just from even, like, a power standpoint. Like, obviously, yes, I he, I'm sure, felt the earthquake. But, like, knowing that his movie is coming up, how do you not address the fact that, like one of the most powerful beings in the universe just tried to come out of the earth and the the earth's most powerful wizard didn't feel that didn't know that like you can't just ignore that well and my issue too is like (laughs) this is gonna be the stupidest thing but like it's half in half out so i'm also confused (laughs) because i'm like so are we just leaving it there like Like, turned it into marvel so it's now like a new island yeah like, that was the whole thing. Like, she can now change, like, organic matter. So now it's, like, a rock. But in the shape of a giant yeah universe-creating and crushing being. So, and then at the end, in the, in the first end credit scene, or I guess it's not considered an end credit scene. At, at the end of the movie, when she's talking to Kit Harrington's character, whose name currently escapes me, when Cersei is... And the Eternal literally comes to yeah. Earth. Well, not like, the Eternal, the not Celestial. Not the Eternal, I'm sorry. The Celestial... Yeah, the Celestial literally comes to Earth, which is like, I mean, Earth has now been visited by a Celestial. You can't, <laughs> you can't not address well, that. That's like, I guess like, what? I guess like for me, I love this movie, but I think it's in the wrong spot already because timeline wise. Yes, because yeah. this is big and the ramifications are big. And I understand fully that Marvel said they are moving into a more like cosmic area we are going into space i'm ready however when you have spider-man and strange coming out which are wrapping up the biggest thing that fans have been looking forward to for years which is the multiverse or theoretically wrapping up but it's gonna be they're the big like yeah 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 but like they're the big moments of the multiverse it's like how are you gonna bring this in now and then also like i I know we'll get to the end credit scenes. My biggest issues with the end credit scenes, because they only dealt with this movie, though, was that I'm like, you're not showing the ramifications anywhere else yeah. of what just happened. Dude, uh, we are literally, like, we are uniminding right now because I was just going to say the same thing. Like, I was, like, 
okay, those end credit scenes, and we might as well get into them now, and then I'm sure we'll get into other stuff in the movie because I have right. some character things I want to talk about. But I was so surprised that both of them were so related to this franchise. So was I. I was like, all right, cool. You brought in Harry Styles. I jumped out of my chair. I was so excited. Oh, I was um, But loving. I do have a question about that. Mm-hmm. How do you – so he's a, he's an eternal, which means technically he's not – alive in the sense that a human or even a titan like Thanos is alive so how can he be both an eternal and the brother of Thanos like that to me doesn't quite make sense well my knowledge first off is they're half brothers so they're not fully brother like they're not fully um also there's so- I was definitely doing research on this and I don't want to be the person to try to say it because I don't fully remember the proper way of why it ended up the way they did. But I do know partially Thanos was a mutation. He, that's why he looks the way he does. Um, well, he clearly like, because his brother's gorgeous and he looks like well, a gigantic raisin. This is what I this is what I've kind of read up on, and I'm not going to be quoted on this because I I um can't say all my knowledge could be correct. And if you would like a better answer, um, I'll put it in the blog post after I do more research on it. But from what I my Early understanding is is that Thanos and Eros are both products of an Eternals deviant relationship. Oh my god! And Thanos got the more deviants, like that's why he was like the mutation kind of, and Eros was clearly the Eternal side. But yeah, because all the Eternals look like beautiful. Yeah, that is what I've been seeing explanation-wise. I will do further research, but that is kind of... Which would make sense because we have heard in... Like, I mean, in the comics, Thena has a relationship with a deviant. Yeah. So it's not an un... Well, I, I guess it's not common, but it's not an uncommon thing necessarily. It's like we've seen it before. It's not unheard of. Yeah, so that has been my understanding so far. I will do further research on it, but I mean, that would make a lot of sense essentially is that that and either that or it was like the Thanos is the product of a deviant and eternal and then Eros is the product of two eternals I think and the one is a shared parent that's how they're half brothers it's something like that I think oh okay okay thank you for that explanation because immediately after that end credit scene I was like I'm confused we literally just learned that they're not beings so how can he like beings you know beings beings um, so how can he have a brother if he's not alive in the same way that other organic beings are alive? Yeah, that's been what I've been seeing. And so far, that's the theory I'm running with. I, like I said, want to do further research. But preliminary research has brought out that their shared parent had Thanos with a deviant and had Eros with another Eternal. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Thanks for clarifying. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in... The Harry Styles end credit scene, other than setting up a sequel with him in it? Well, I'm intrigued to understand why he knows Athena. Because he very clearly says, uh, he's like, beautiful as always, or something like that. But she looks at him like he has, like, she has no clue who he is. To be fair, her memory is kind of muddled. So I, I have a, a theory that they've been Eternals together on a different planet. That was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And then he must have his memories. He must not have been white, where she only has flashes of hers. So that's definitely interesting. I would love to, I think it's, that like kind of brings me back into something with the movie. Like, I think it would be interesting in so in some ways, they almost have their own multiverse. Like, yeah. they've lived all of these lives that they don't remember. Like, it'd be very cool if they were able to go to wherever that place is that, this the main celestial whose name currently escapes me such was an a and I, I they said it multiple times that i don't remember it i know i want to say it's like aramesh but like it's, that's not quite it it's, it's something close, along though. those lines <laughs> but he like described how all their memories are in that place where they create the celestial not celestials the eternals so i think it would be interesting even if like they go like the ones that are in the duomo if they go there and recapture all of their memories from their past missions like that how cool would that be to understand the lives that they led like yeah but to be fair like different my question when you bring that up is we see how Thena who is haunted because she has too many memories in her head 
and we see what's happening to her. So it's kind of like, can they even technically do that? Because it might destroy their brains. I don't think it... My interpretation of what's happening with Fina is, like, she they messed up in erasing her memories. So, like, yes, like, she has too many memories, but only because they tried to erase them. Like, I think it's different if they're, like, intentionally... Like, they can remember 5,000 years, right? Like, you know, no problem, 7,000 years, however long they've been on Earth. I guess my thought process is it's more to do with the fact that they incorrectly scrambled her mind than it is with the fact that she has all of these memories. Like, they're not supposed to be there because of what they've done to her. Not that she can't, her brain couldn't naturally handle them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of had, from my understanding of the movie, it was more that she had too many memories in her head and her brain couldn't handle that because they didn't wipe her completely clean, even though the attempt was there. That was my understanding of it, was that they tried to wipe her like they do any other time, and because they failed to do it correctly, she because she's living the next part of her eternal like, life, she is not able to, like... So that's why she's having the problem that she's having, is because she already has memories from before. Because, like... I believe it's Ajax who even says, like, you know, she is suffering from too many memories. Like, you have too much. Because you, your brain can't handle the amount of memories that you're making. Right. I just wonder if it can't handle it because they place limitations when they do the mind wipe. Like, that's what I'm wondering. If there's, like, another part of that that limits the capacity for memories, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of how I interpreted it, that, like, she was only really messed up because they put guardrails on their minds and their memories, not because, quote-unquote, her brain can't handle it. It's just that they don't want her brain to be able to handle those all of those memories and all of those other lives and, like, the truth about what their real purpose is. Right. Well, I mean, clearly not all of them are angry about the truth of their real purpose. Right, right. But they can't necessarily take that risk. And I think the this meaning the Celestials can't take that risk. And also, I think it's entirely possible that depending on what happens to them on different planets, they might react differently to the truth about their the truth about their mission. Like so for example, they've been on millions of planets and they've never once tried to save it from the celestial emerging. But like Earth is the exception, right? So like it's also depends on their experience with the native species of that planet and how whether or not they grow attached like they grew attached to the people of earth and earth itself but they obviously didn't for the millions of other planets that they did or that they had previously helped a celestial emerge or they would have tried to stop those as well do you know what i'm saying yeah i just like i don't know it's like a weird i i like it but i think it's weird and it's a little hard to to fit my brain, like... Um, yeah, so that's why I too, feel like, like I need to see it again. Yeah, and especially, too, because, like, Ajax knew mm-hmm. all that time. So I was a little thrown off that she was like, it's happening, now let's stop it. When I was like, you knew what caused it to happen, why did you not... Yeah. Like, why were you not, like, sabotaging well, along the way? I think, though, like... I think what really changed her mind was the blip. Like, so she talks about how Thanos, like, obviously delayed it because he halved the universe or the population of the universe. And then I think she really liked the people. Like, don't get me wrong. And I think she grew to to really enjoy the people of Earth and, and, you know, how we are. But I think after Thanos, then she was like, well, now I don't have to do anything. Thanos did it for me you know like he basically set them back thousands of years before the population recovers but then with the blip it like first of all accelerated the process back and second of all she was like not only did I think these people were amazing before but now look at what these people have done who I mean yeah there are some people that are enhanced but they're nothing compared to a celestial you know so like I think that just like even more cemented how special the people of Earth are in her mind and made her more willing to to take that step and protect them. Um, at least that's my interpretation of it. Yeah, because I just, like, I don't know. I I think it was interesting because if you look at the players, Ajax always knew. So did Icarus. Dina did, but no one understood what she was seeing. But she knew what was going on. She knew what was going to happen. Yeah. 
because she had the memories of it. And everyone was like, oh, she was going a little crazy. And it was like, no, she knew. <laughs> uh, what is his name? Who he has taken a great place in my heart. And I can't remember his name. The one who starts with a D. He has mind control. Why? Oh, Druig? Druig. I was like, I, I know it. And for some reason, within the past 20 minutes, I was like, I can't remember it. I mean, he even was like, what are we doing here? People are just killing each other. Like... He was like, why, why do you want us to be doing this? We're creating this, this society in which people are murdering each other. People are, are just, you know, we, we, and we've done this. Like, we've created the things that they're doing it with. And I mean, Fastos or Fastos, Fastos did the same thing. You know, he was like, after the nuclear, he's like, I did this. And he wanted out. Like, so I guess I just like, when you look at some of those characters and the way that they, like, they're, they're, I would say, like, the five who either knew what was going on or was like, I don't accept that we're doing this to people and what we're already doing, let alone, like, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they were like, why are we doing this? Like, they're, they're, these were all the people who either were aware of the mission or questioning the mission more than anything. So, yeah, I think that's an, an interesting when you, like, look back at those five, you're like, oh, okay. Like, there was a lot going into this, and so I just... I think it's interesting because I like the I like I like the concept of the celestial kind of like being in the planet kind of thing, and I like because that really draws on what ego was doing in Guardians. Yeah, for sure. Planting planting his like children essentially, um, so that he could one day, but they were going to be in his like they were going to be his children directly, um, which is well what just to expand like the idea of expansion. Yeah, like, that's clearly like the the purpose of the celestials. Like it's in their. I don't, I guess their DNA, like, it's, like, you know, the same way that at a very basic biological level, like, humans, you know, are supposed to reproduce, that's what they were doing, but at a much grander scale than anything, obviously, any human could do. But I guess that's also interesting because it brings in, like, when we look at other space characters, specifically, like, Captain Marvel, who's supposed to be the protector of all these worlds and the entire universe and is around the universe all the time... I'm like, do do you not ever run into a celestial being born? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. But also, how often do celestials, like, emerge? Like, is it, like, something that happens every... Like, just think, the Eternals were on Earth for 7,000 years. So, like, like does it take 7,000 years for a celestial well, to be ready? Or, like, for the right. essential energy? Like, I don't know. But my thing is, is what Marvel has taught us... From probably, I would say, Guardians, really the best understanding of it, is we clearly don't have, oh, the eight or nine, depending on how you feel about Pluto, planets in our solar system. <laughs> um, I'm personally a nine person, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> if you really look back at that, it's like we don't, we have all these other planets that are in the entire universe. And so it's like, yeah, oh, how often, but when you, when you are like even a thousand planets, let's just say that, it's like, well, that's still like often enough. And she's been around since the nineties. So I'm like, so in 30 years, you never saw another celestial destroy an entire planet. I mean, that's a really fair point. I, I even don't have thought, I like, mean, well, did you, did you catch that line from Kingo? Yeah. When they were in Australia and he was like, yeah. Thor used to follow me around when he was a kid, and now I can't even get him to call me back because he's a big Avenger. I'm like, whoa, 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 In what? So that was my... But, like, if you were on Earth for the past 7,000 yep. what the heck were you doing on Asgard? Yep. Like, I, I was, don't... They're different planets. I was thinking that, and I also was like, I kind of feel like I need to start getting an explanation here of, like, we got space, but we got, like, the nine realms, so where does that fit? Like, what is that whole Thank overlapping you. thing? Yeah, are they are they nine yeah, planets? Like, are they, I, I mean, I don't, I know they always say that, like, Thor and Loki are aliens. Yeah, okay, they're from a different planet, but, like, are they from a different universe? Like, I don't, like, Captain Marvel's never been to Asgard. Like, I don't understand. I yeah. Well, and then you also have, because the Guardians are out here space hopping. So I'm like, I'm a little lost because when he's explaining to Jane Foster and Thor the nine realms, and he's like, you know, this is, you have this, you have Midgard, 
Midgard is literally just considered Earth. Right. So I'm like, that to me is planet. But when you call things realms, I th- I consider that more than just one thing. I consider that like a like a oh you know like this is the fire realm. So there's like a ton of like fire related plant. Like you know like that's just an example because clearly there's not like a fire realm. But like that's what I think of. Right. So. I need, like, a further explanation on where Asgard, because they only call it the Nine Realms, so I'm like, is is this space split into nine realms? Yeah, no, I have always, I don't want to say always wondered that, but as we've gotten more and more into space travel, I've started to, like, especially as I was re-watching the Thor trilogy, like, pick that apart more, like, in my head. I was like, yeah, that made sense for that movie, that explanation, but it no longer makes sense in the wider MCU, or at least it needs further explanation for how that then that framework then fits into the wider MCU. Well, yeah, because then they have the other, what they have Jotunheim, which is its own realm as well. Yeah. Svartalfheim. Yeah, like they have, so that's why I'm like, but these never come up anywhere else. So I'm like, are we on like a superior plane where Asgard exists? Because they are considered the gods. They're not, like, yeah, they call them aliens, but... They're all gods. They're like that's why they live the way like, as long as they do, and a lot of them have like a like Thor and Loki, for example, have abilities. Like they're gods. So are they like are we to consider? And for people who can't see me, which is everyone but Taylor at the moment, <laughs> Earth on like Earth like for example being on the bottom, space being the next level of the sandwich, and Asgard being like and like the nine realms being the top tier where they're just like we're the Gucci people up here and like. Like what is what is happening? I don't know. Is my question. I have like a real quest, like real questions about that, and I like really need I like need Kevin to do well, wait, another. Reddit, I bring up like, a new AMA. question. I bring up a new question. Go for it. Which is even more important to me. Thor and Loki are even older than Captain Marvel, and never saw a Celestial be born anywhere. Yeah, I don't. I, especially because they've interacted clearly with the Eternals. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, like. Did he think that it just, like, wasn't happening on Earth? Like, maybe he thought that Earth wasn't chosen as one of the birth planets? I, I guess that's the wrong term, but I'm calling it a birth planet. I mean, I guess that's kind of what it is. Like, I don't know. At, but, like, I, that's why I'm honestly, confused. Honestly, I have so many questions. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I need that. And I think this was a big question we had, even in the predictions, which I don't think has helped since the movies come out, is where the heck is this fitting? Because I see it up in the space area i see it in its new like once the second eternals comes out but even like when they're talking about all the stuff that's going on i'm like where like i can't even the closest to you are the guardians and i could not see you interacting with the guardians no not in the same way no because you are not on the same plane i guess because they mentioned thor and loki i can see them potentially being kind of in the same like area especially because if you think about it, like, the Eternals are also regarded, or at least they were in the past, kind of in, like, a godlike manner by a lot of the civilizations that they helped. So I could see them kind of existing on the same plane. And then the only other space-oriented person out there is obviously Captain Marvel, but she does not fit them in the same way. Well, that's where I thought Icarus was going to end up. Like, he was going to run into her. Ah. I'm still, I'm still a little annoyed about that. Just again for selfish reasons. I just thought that they. Well, I just was a little surprised. I just feel like you have like, that great character. Like why? It's like like a uh, Killmonger. Like you have a fantastic character. Like must you kill him? You know, like or can he be used and involved in this franchise moving forward or other franchises you have a great actor who did a great job with an interesting and complex and flawed character why do we always feel the need to kill them yeah that's fair because the villain well okay well i'll get to that in a different way uh but the villain yeah the ones that are the most complex and the ones that i think like i will say like i felt for killmonger didn't feel for icarus didn't feel for him not in the way of like I oh I like him or don't like him. I just was like I think you're wrong, but maybe that's also me being the thought process of I'm from Earth. But like- no, I I agree with you. I agree with you. I definitely I meant complex in the sense that like he's not like one dimensional. Like well, I think right. you know like for example Whiplash in like Iron Man two. Like he's a very one dimensional villain. Yeah. And I think both Killmonger and Icarus. You know whether or not you agree with their mission i think we've already said our piece on how we feel about killmonger and his and his purpose and how he goes about it and and you know i also 
felt that Icarus was wrong. Um, but I think you can't deny the parallels that they're both complex in the sense that like there's a lot more considerations than just well your dad screwed over my dad so I'm gonna get you back like right. there's a lot more oh, kind yeah, of at I stake agree. there well and okay so I think now is the time to bring up I think it was the deviant the main one when he started talking gross yeah when or he started talking Kroos, something like that I was like yo is that Ultron like, uh, when he first started talking, I was like, yo, is that Ultron? <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie to you. Because I was like, why does he sound so similar to him? It threw me off. I didn't make that connection. I'm definitely going to have to listen back to it now. But I, I think I read somewhere that he's a very famous, like, horror movie actor. Mm. And I know you sometimes go for horror movies, so maybe that's maybe, yeah. why it seemed recognizable to you. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that whole Deviance thing, I... It became too much of a subplot that, like, went away for too long and then randomly came back up at the end. And I was like, I don't... That was kind of my problem. We completely kind of deviated from our talk about the end credit scene. Um, Are you ready to talk about the second one? Well, first, I want to say I think we did pretty well on predictions. Oh, my gosh. To be fair, we did one movie, one not, because that's typically how they follow, which is why I was a little disappointed they were both movie-related, especially because they were both... Very easily predicted. Well, yeah, between the two of us, we got them. Yeah. I said the one about Black Knight, and you said the one about Harry. So between the two of us, we hit 100%. Yeah. Which, I mean, go us, but at the same time... They were too easy to be predicted. I definitely wanted them to surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be surprised, and I was a little upset that they didn't. Yeah, and I'll even tell you, like, so I went Thursday night. I went by myself, um, because girl boss move. And I was sitting dead center, and I had a group of guys on my left, I had a group of guys on my right. And I started talking at the end to the group of guys on my left, but at one point, like, I, so they didn't really like the movie. Um, (laughs) They thought about, like, two-thirds of it, they were like, it was kind of just boring. And I was like, okay, I could, like, get it, but you also, like, come on, like, let's look at the bigger themes. That was the point of this movie. But regardless, they even were, like, part of the reason we came was we were expecting to see, like, a Spider-Man one, like, end credit scene. And they were not very excited over the two end credit scenes. And I was like, to be fair, I agree. Because they, as much as I loved, especially, like, okay, Harry being, I mean, he was confirmed, but, like, this is confirmed. You know, so it was like, as much as I love that, and that's obviously setting up the next Eternals. And obviously the one with Kit's character is clearly setting up a completely different thing as well. I just was like, why'd we do them both in the movie or as end credit scenes? Because you didn't well, expand I this really anywhere. I really feel like, yeah, I really feel like the Harry one could have just been the like the last scene of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Like it was not. Or the Kit one could have been in the movie as well. Like both of them seem that they could have been in the movie. Either one, you could have just added five minutes to the movie and then done. Yeah. Even if it wasn't Spider-Man, because I know they want to keep that as under wraps as possible. And we talked about that in the predictions. I really didn't think they were going to do a Spider-Man one. But you have so many franchises that are coming up at the beginning of next year and early but next year. But even like doing like a strange one would have worked, you know? Like anything yeah, no, that exactly. hinted towards the two biggest movies coming out. Or, or a, a Ms. Marvel who, I mean, she's got, I mean, we're going to find out on Friday when, when it's it's Disney Plus Day and they kind of release their slate, which I think is going to be really important and exciting. I'm super looking forward to it. But, you know, I'm expecting her in a January or February leading right up into Strange. So, you know, this is a perfect time to intro that character. Why are we not Although, doing that? I want to bring this up. They're not integrating the shows that much. And yes, they're going to be part, like they're clearly part of the plot. But when you take a step back, they are not integrating the shows. And I noticed this even in the opening sequence. The shows are not in the Marvel opening. But Shang-Chi's already in it. Black Widow's in it. Interesting. But the shows aren't. And I, I was paying attention to that because I was looking for them. I was looking for Sam as Cap. I was looking at Wanda coming out when she's in her full, like, and has, like, become the full Scarlet Witch. You know, I was even looking for Loki, and none of them. But, you know, now that you say that, she is in it. I think one thing that I've been noticing is they're not going, with the exception of Loki, which is the only one that's renewed for season two, they're using the shows as a vehicle to, they're like mini series to to get characters from point A to point B for their next movie. Yeah. Like, they're, with again, with the exception of Loki, they're not using the shows as, like, 
content themselves. Like, if you think about WandaVision, the whole point of that was to get her from being Wanda Maximoff to the Scarlet Witch. The point of Captain or Falcon and the Winter Soldier was to get Sam from the Falcon to Captain America. Right. The whole point of Hawkeye is to get Hawkeye to retire and for Kate Bishop to take up the mantle. Like, it's really their character development driven only to get them or their protege ready for the next yeah. franchise movie. Exactly. Which is not what I was expecting, but interesting. Good but that's point. why I was saying, like, they won't do the shows as an end credit scene because they almost ignore the shows completely as if they haven't been coming out. They like, And I've been noticing that with the movies, too. They're only leading them to the next movie. They're not leading them into, oh, there's a show coming out in the meantime. Well, oh, there's another show coming out in the meantime. That's not necessarily only... true because the end credit scene of Black Widow led into Hawkeye. Oh, that's fair. I did forget that one. But other than that. So, yeah, I mean, it might just be a function where they're working out the kinks of how they're going to integrate the shows into the MCU. Like yeah. right now, they're using them as character development drivers. And it, it may be down the road as the shows begin to enter. Like we're, so for example, like all the shows that have come out before, there are characters that we know from the movies that are getting ready for other movies, right? But the slate that's coming up in Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, what else is slated for next year? I'm, I'm missing one, but there's um, Secret Invasion, I think, is next year, um, but it might be 23. But I know the first three are, are, are slated for next year. Those are all introducing new characters, right? So this year, we're focusing on previously established characters, but I think we might see the shows change in their purpose as we begin to use them as character introductions rather than character development. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and I like I agree. I just think like that was why I we aren't really seeing the end credits for them other than cuz like Black Widow it also made sense because what were they going to tie her like movie related end credit scene to? Cuz like I guess that last one but like you know what I mean because it was like we needed to see where we were taking cuz I don't even feel like it was it's because we're going to Hawkeye. It was because they were like where are we taking Yelena next? That was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it wasn't also, even because, uh, like... Knowing that it's a movie that took place in the past, they had to be careful about what they could do because, like, everything's already happened. Well, that's what I mean. So it was like... But, like I said, even the end credit scene was not for, like, let's introduce the show. It was, we need to show you where we're taking this character because you're seeing more of her. Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't about, oh, let's bring in Hawkeye because that was not how that worked. Another issue I'm having is I'm like, can we start clarifying where these movies are coming in? Yeah. Like, let's just, because they just keep our saying, like, after the blip, and I'm like, but, like, where? Because we also have two, well, not Loki, because I guess Loki's not really, like, counting in this sense, but we have two other shows that are also like, oh, they're after the blip, but it's like, cool, where? Yeah, well, where are we? Which came out, what, three years ago? Two, three years ago? Two, yeah. Like, so it's like, yeah, that's your, yeah, like, we're all over the place here. That's why I need to understand where Eternals is. Now we have, Three Eternals that are like, oh no, other Eternals are in trouble. And then we have the other three Eternals that are like, haha, yeah, we just got kidnapped. A lot going on. I guess I'm one thing I worry about, and I think I was finally able to crystallize this thought after the Eternals is the MCU is spread out in a way. So we had phase one, obviously, early on, right? And nothing was connected. That's fine, but there were only three or four franchises. Now, nothing is connected, and there's like seven franchises going on, and it's a little spread out and disjointed and confusing. Yep. And I just, I know it's too early to connect them, but I, I need I need something. I need a little help here. Well, and if you think about it, and I think this was something I brought up in a previous podcast, I have a problem with how Endgame, everyone was like, let's fight together. And then Endgame ended. Everyone was like, yeah. peace, sayonara, never see you again. So, like, that messes me up with the old characters. And then if you really look back at it, who's the only ones that have been connected so far has been, what, Shang-Chi and Doctor Strange and then Doctor Strange and Spider-Man? Because Black Widow, I guess, doesn't fully count. Because right. She's I'm just trying to think. Dead. So, like, it's not like uh, she's... Well, there's Skrull, Nick Fury, and Spider-Man. Though that's, again, a questionable connection because it's not really Nick. And we also see the scrolls, though, in WandaVision, but no one's talking about it. Right. Yeah, I know. So, but you also have the connection from Wanda and the Marvels. Right. 
So, like, that's what I mean. Things are a little, like, there are connections, but also, blah. But they're, like, <laughs> like they're, like, all right, you know this person's gonna be in this movie. Like, we've not actually seen any of the connections on screen yet. And I right. think once we start to get into the properties where we do, things are gonna make a little more sense. But right now, I'm just feeling very overwhelmed by all of the content that's coming out that's completely completely disconnected from all of the other content coming out. Well, and that's why Eternals, I said to you earlier, I love the movie, but what the heck? Because why is now the time that you said, we should have released Eternals? Yeah, I agree. But we're going into Spider-Man and we're going into Ma- Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I think the timing was definitely questionable and I don't know that it's like, I just don't want them to run into another Captain Marvel situation where everybody kind of looks at it disfavorably. Not because it's a poorly done movie or not because it's a bad movie, but just because it, like, fell, just the, the nature of where it fell in the cadence in the of the In the wrong movies. place. Yeah. I yeah. just, I hope that that doesn't happen because I also enjoyed the movie. Well, and I was happy to have watched it and I love it whenever we get, especially a movie. Like, I, I love the shows, but really the movies, the movies are the are hype, special. you know? Yeah. And I will tell you, though, I would have, and I loved Eternals, I really did, but I would have willingly watched it any other time and been okay with waiting another month until No Way Home came out. I agree. I agree. Especially knowing that Hawkeye comes out in, like, what, three weeks? Like, it's not like we're starved for content. You know, yes, it's been, like, what, six or eight weeks since Shang-Chi came out? Like, so yeah, but we're used to only getting three movies a year. That's what I mean. movies, period. That's what I mean. You know, so... I just don't know that we needed three movies and a show to come out in the last four months of the year. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know? Well, and that's why, like, that's why I, I just was like, okay, let's, because, like, obviously, I'm not, I, I think we should talk about the quick elephant in the room just as part of the conversation. Clearly, critics shot this movie down and audience reviews were through the roof. So, yeah, I think, like, it, it also, to the grand scheme of things, doesn't, and I'm glad that the audience loved it especially, but it's like, it doesn't help when you're putting it in a weird spot. No, it this doesn't. is what they did to Captain Marvel. And I, I, okay, I mediocrely liked Captain Marvel. Yeah, I just don't as a hate movie. It. Is it my favorite? No. Yeah, just as like a movie, it wasn't really one of my favorites. It's definitely like lower on my list. But I will, I'm not gonna lie, I will probably blame part of that as it came out right after Infinity War. And I was like, I could care less. I'm sorry. I yeah, like, I'm I more worried about the fact that. All my favorite characters just got dusted. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I there's just something I really want to talk about with the Eternals that I really, really liked. And it goes to Druig, so I think you're going to like this. I love Druig. <laughs> but I really enjoyed how... So they're set up as these, like, godlike creatures, right? And then he actually, like, develops, like, this god complex just by the nature of his powers. And because he... I mean, I think arguably Icarus has one too yeah but I think Druig is you know with his mind control ability is really um his is really prominent especially in the way he just like controls that village in the Amazon but I really loved how they were not afraid to really dig into each character's flaws like I loved them as a unit and they were great but they did such a good job of balancing the the family aspect with this person is an individual and this individual has flaws and like yeah I loved that I just loved the the way that the characters were done and they did it very well with I would say most of them because obviously I think it's hard to not do like um because I think like Gilgamesh for example and is it King it's Kingo right Kingo yeah okay like I think like they not so much flaw area, I wouldn't say. Like, they were, like, and I, I'm not saying that's a problem because I think it was good to not necessarily dive deep into every single character. But, you know, you see how Phaestos is, like, what he's battled with and how he's accepted that he just, and like, he moved on in his life. He said, you know, I'm done with this because of what I've done and what I've helped these humans do. You see Druig, who's like, which I, you know, this is to the point I said I was saying earlier, but Druig was like, you know, I can stop all of this and yeah. I'm being told not to interfere. And that's a pro. And so like, I think that is what for him creates a slight God complex. So you see this guy goes off in the middle of the Amazon with maybe a hundred people and just lives in a peaceful society like that he created because he's like, look, no one kills each other when I can control that they're, they like each other and that they're happy and all that. And I'm not saying they were under his control 24 seven. They weren't, but you know, there's a scuffle. Drew stops it. 
you know? So that was a big thing for him to just be like, I like can do all of this and I'm not allowed to. And I can't stand that because I can't watch these people hurt themselves. So I like, those are, those are very deep ones. And to your point, Icarus, you know, Icarus has the God complex for the sake of, he knows he's the most powerful. Everyone treats him as the most powerful. And yet this entire movie, and I thought it was really interesting. They show how every character is like, Icarus, what should we do? And even at one point he's like, Ajax didn't choose me to lead. Like it's, I am so, I'm so conflicted on how I, I feel about Icarus and his treatment of women mainly Cersei so like yeah it's weird to me because in that moment I was like so proud I was like here's a man who even though people are looking to him he is humble enough to say she was chosen she was the one who was selected I will follow her like most men in most movies would have taken that as a natural opportunity to take the power from underneath the woman and undermine her and take the leadership position. Yeah. I loved him in that moment. I was like, yes, you support her because she was chosen. However, I think it was Thena who says to him, or Thena or Mercari, I don't remember which, always, or maybe it was Fist, whatever. One of the ones who was fighting Icarus, when Cersei begins to turn the Eternal, I think it was into a rock, one of them says to him, you always did underestimate her. And then I thought about it and I was like, this whole movie, he talks about, I left you because I didn't want to burden you with the truth. I came back to protect you as if she couldn't handle any of it on her own. And part of that is because she does not have the confidence in herself but perhaps if her partner had had that confidence in her she could have grown earlier on to have the confidence she had to be the leader at the end of the that she was at the end of the movie and so I thought about it and I was like he's so complex in the sense that he almost infantilizes her yet at the same time he you know he supports her as the leader, but is he only doing that because he's going to undermine her anyway because he doesn't believe in her plan like I don't know. I have so many conflicting emotions. About yeah, that. and but I, I will say, like, as a kind of side note to that, I really like. I thought it was interesting how deep and complex they made that relationship. But in the trailer, it was like, oh, look at them in love. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then, like, I really like Drew and Macari. Yes. I love them. Um, if anyone takes a peek, I'm not gonna lie, I was fangirling a little bit on the Twitter because I like couldn't not fangirl on the Twitter. The new but power couple. Like, yeah, like the five minutes of on screen with them together that I got, I was like, time to see it again just for that. Like, I literally, like, that and the relationship, and obviously not to the same degree, but between Gilgamesh and Thena. Oh my and god. And it was just Can like. You, I mean, just the purity, like, it's. I mean, my interpretation was it's completely platonic. If other people want to interpret it, interpret it as romantic, I think the, my next statement fits either way. Just two people who have the purest, most absolute love for one another and what an, an equal and beautiful and supportive partnership. Yes. That to me is the, I mean, forget the, you know, the the passion of Cersei and Icarus or even Amurakari and Druig. Like, Thena and... Um, Gilgamesh's relationship to me is the golden standard there's just selflessness sacrifice and love yeah just pure love it's it's beautiful regardless of whether you view their relationship as platonic or romantic because it really isn't ever defined I think that statement still still is valid well and honestly like this is also a slight tangent but off of the same point like Angelina Jolie's performance as Thena and just, like, her, like, even in the scene with Gilgamesh when he is dying, like, everything, like, you could just see, like, oh, I just, and I really loved how she wasn't just this, she's so strong, blah, 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 because, okay, not to be, like, oh, feminist and weird, like, I'm not, I'm not saying it for that case, I liked that it showed her struggle, I liked that she sat there, and while she was always known to be this goddess of war, she was, like, out of commission because she couldn't trust her own mind, you know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's because I'm a Bucky fan, but I don't know, you know? Maybe, <laughs> maybe there are connections, who knows? But that's how I felt. I, I thought her performance was great. Yeah, no, I think she was absolutely stellar. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I think, most nervous about her because 
she's arguably the biggest name that they brought in. Yeah. And I was like, please, please don't phone this in. Like, this is so important for so many people. Yeah. Please give this everything you've got. And, you know, she is a great actress. I've only seen her in a few movies, but she's been good, you know. But I, I desperately wanted her to give this her all. And I think she absolutely delivered she was incredible. She stole every single scene she was in. And I loved how, again, I think this goes back to the director and how well she directed these scenes, but she's not a one-dimensional character, to your no. point. She's not just Thena, goddess of war, strong and completely, you know, whatever. She's Thena, goddess of war, but she's also has she has doubts in her own self and she has weakness, and I think that makes her more not only relatable but also more likable and I just I mean the scene where she talks about she how she doesn't want to lose her memories I was like I'm not gonna cry right now but like I kind of want to and then when Gilgamesh died I was like tearing up and I was like please keep them in please keep them in like I don't want to cry right now well and you know what I want to say this too which is something I, I think I got very lucky with so for a class of mine I had to watch uh Girl Interrupted which Angelina Jolie is in with, I believe it's Winona Ryder. And they're essentially psych ward patients. And when I tell you, I was very lucky to have been able to watch this right before, like literally the day I watched Eternals on Thursday, I was watching this movie for class. Her performance in that and seeing the emotion and the way that she can just move an entire room and then seeing her act as Thena, which is probably like 20 years later because that movie was, I believe, from the 90s, I literally was like, wow. Because you can just tell, like, this woman can act. And she can play these complex roles where oh, yeah. she's just, like, you give her the script and she can run with it. And I, I like, it, and it, it's much different than seeing her in, like, well, actually, there's a good scene in Maleficent as well, a very beginning of it. Um, I think when yes. her wings are yes, taken yes. from her. Yeah. So like you, but like, I, I loved the, like everything she brought to the character. She brought such depth to this character. And I love that she had her own storyline happening within everything else. I thought that was so important. And I love that she's going to be one of the Eternals that is moving on to that. We will see her again. I agree. I'm so glad that she's going to be back. I think she really shocked me. Like I said, I've seen her in other movies and she was good, but she really, really impressed me in this movie. I am just like such a Athena stan now. Like, I love her. Like, <laughs> oh my <same>. God. <laughs> but that she was probably has come out as one of my favorite characters, I would have to say. Yeah. I personally thought Sprite annoying. Oh, I'm going to say yes. it. Yeah. Annoying. No, I agree. And I do feel for her. I mean, to be a 7,000-year-old being who basically is infantilized, like the way Gilgamesh, you know, would say stuff about her being a kid, like I totally, I mean, I can't relate because, you know, I am an adult who looks like an adult, but like I understand. Okay, I see your face and I just like need you to... <laughs> I understand why she would be bitter and upset, especially because the man she loves, like, will never look at her as anything more than a child because of the body that she was given by none of her own volition. But I don't know, she just, like, was kind of... Like, out of all of the characters, I think she was the least dynamic. Yeah. And the least interesting. Like, I loved Mercari, too. She oh, my was God, amazing. I loved her. So sassy. The representation, loved I just... It. She was incredible. I just... Amazing. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I look at all the, I mean, even like Ajax when you see her in, in like flashbacks and stuff. So I'm like, I look at all the other nine and I was like, you know, there is depth. And not that I'm saying that I didn't think Sprite had depth. I just. She just had less than everyone else. And it, it fell flat for me. Like, I get why you're like, I get where you're at, but it's like, Thena struggling with like losing her mind Phaistos created things that literally like people are killing each other with Druig can stop everyone from killing each other but is not allowed to and I'm like and you're like I look like a child indefinitely and that makes me sad yeah no I agree like like when I look at it from that perspective like uh, if you put it in the context with what some of the other characters are dealing with like it definitely does not it does not come out on the same level my favorite sure. scene Druig hits her over the head with the rock and he was like yeah, okay, she's done. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, I was like, thank you for ending that because I, if I had to hear her go on anymore about the whole like, 
oh, I look like a child indefinitely, and, and, and Icarus, and blah. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna, like, I was like, come on, like, and Kingo clearly was there for, like, a lot of comedic relief, which he gave. Oh, my God. But he I was also was just, like... Incredible. He was at least an interesting character. Like, Sprite, for me, fell flat. I just didn't find the, like, the character to be interesting. And Yeah, I think what I liked about Kingo is the way he chose to integrate himself into, like, human society. Yeah. Like, other than Cersei, I think none of them... I mean, they all made varying levels of effort to integrate into humanity. And I think Kingo and Cersei by far were the most integrated. Cersei was just, you know, every girl, basically. She's just living her life out in London. But Kingo did it in such a flashy and interesting and funny way. I think that was kind of his, like, differentiator between him and like the rest of the team and he was freaking hilarious like he was so funny and so like i get sometimes that like characters get brought in for comedic relief and you can just tell they're there for comedic relief and it's just not like it falls flat because you're like eh. but he was so funny his interactions with all the other eternals was hilarious like i was like no this is perfect and i also thought it was very interesting that he straight up was just like well then i'm not fighting in the last battle yeah how he just was like i'm not fighting my family and i i was like interesting like yeah he was there for comedic relief but at the end you got that depth and the betrayal of icarus the way that affected him you could he was like this is the person that i have admired and i've looked up to like yes i'm the jokester and the clown but i admire the lead the the guy who i view as the leader and the strongest like i want to be like him and he is this he put him on that pedestal and he's this flawed being and the way that that broke him to the point where he would not even pick a side like i just loved that it showed the depth below like the jokester. Yeah. I just thought that was so well done. Again, so well done in the character department. I I have to say, like, I think these might be some of the best, most complex characters we've had in the MCU. Yeah. At least in one movie. Yeah. Like others have, you know, grown and developed, you know, and and that's great and that's supposed to happen. But I think in a in an, a first outing, these might be the most complex characters we've gotten. And can I be honest? Because when you look back at the MCU, it's never the leads that are usually the complex ones. I mean, like in the nicest of ways, look at Cap. In the nicest of ways, look at Iron Man. It's never the leads that are the complex characters. I was going to say in the most complex character in Thor is Loki, by far. I mean, I was going to say in the most complex ones in Cap is Bucky. Like, yeah, it's not the lead a lot of the time because the lead is supposed to be the strong leader and it's so you don't have that complexity like when you look at these characters and like compare them even to Captain America as much as I love Chris and Captain America and he did everything he needed to do in the role there was no complexity there was no depth and like they tried to add that in Endgame with his ending where it was like supposed to be he was the man out of time but they never did it anywhere else so it just was like awkward because it was like okay so he grew accustomed for 10 years where he was like you know what i mean and it was awkward well this movie itself already was like here are nine because no offense to sprite but no i was not there for it (laughs) nine very complex characters you know like yeah that all have these well i think they did a good job of showing like yeah okay steve's 100 years old so he has the complexity and depth of someone who's 100 years old and spent most of that time in the ice but these are people who have developed and lived and experienced for 7,000 years. Yeah, like, Steve can sit down. He's got nothing else to say. Okay, I'm a cap girl, so please don't say that. But I will say, like, I do think that these characters were really, really well done. Yeah, and I I, and to say, I do love Cap, but, like, when you really look back at it, now, I can no longer even feel the sympathy of, I'm a man out of time, because I'm like, these people are the most powerful beings living among humans. I mean, poor Athena's out here living literally in the desert with Gilgamesh because she can't be around people because she could kill someone. Like, I, like... When I, when I could do that comparison, I'm like, Cap, no offense, but, like, not the same anymore. Like, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes some of our more on-the-ground heroes seem like child's play. Like, going from this but I want to bring that up. like, what? But I want to bring that up because I like the, the prospect of these kind of felt like on-the-ground heroes. Like, Thena, and I know I keep bringing her up, but she's a good example for a lot of this stuff, is technically an on-the-ground kind of person. I mean, she has she a magical might be sword able to and make shield, it. but, like, yeah, you're right. And even Gilgamesh. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. So I like that prospect that there was this ability that it was like, you know, there are like it really showed that we could have done better with characters before in the nicest of ways. And not that I don't love all of our characters, I do, but like it shows that there is more that could have been done with them, which is why I think I always gravitate towards characters like Loki, Wanda, um, even Natasha, Bucky, because there's this depth to them. They have that dark side. They have that I'm struggling, and that was what Dina had. That's what a lot of the Eternals had. They're struggling with something. Well, what what does Tony say to Cap in in Age of Ultron when he says when they talk about what the what Wanda showed them, and he says to to Steve, oh, Steve says he didn't see anything, and Tony says to Steve, I don't trust a guy without a dark side. Yeah. So that just, that that brought that up for me. Well, that's, exactly. So I, I don't know. Like, looking back at it, I'm like, some of our old characters, I'm like, didn't have the same depth looking back. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't love them, but that's why I think I always gravitated toward the ones who did, who who struggled. I mean, they they go through more than you think. Like, I, I, I don't know. That's why the Eternals, to me, I was like, I love these characters. The only one I truly was not, like, sold by was Sprite. The rest of them? Loved them. And I'm not saying the performance of uh, the actress of Sprite was not good. I'm not saying that at all. I just wasn't really like... No, it was very well done. I just think her character wasn't written with as much depth as the rest of them. Yeah. Which, to be fair, when you're making a movie with ten leads, not all of them are going to be top tier. You yeah. Know? Like, not... You can't make all of them fantastic. It's just... It's it's a lot. There's ten main characters. Exactly. You know, that's just a lot happening. Yeah. I agree. All right. I think we may have uh, talked about everything we want to talk about. Anything we missed, I'm sure Katie will put in the blog. Of course. But that is it. Hope you guys went out and saw Eternals this weekend. If you didn't get a chance, please, please, please go see it this week, next weekend. Keep the momentum going. Thursday night results were really good. So hoping that Marvel continues its box office domination. Well, and if you didn't see it, I'm not sure why you stuck around for the entirety of this. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. There's some, like, character deaths that, like, you definitely heard about so are not going to be surprised. Sorry. Yeah, I... I mean, that that was on you. I'm not even going to say it. That was on you. We, we said it from the beginning. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, like, yeah. oh well. Sorry, guys. Anyway, <laughs> you know the deal. If you love our podcast, please remember to give us a follow and tell your friends about us. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, and many of the major platforms. So please give us a follow, like, review, uh, share. Give us a follow also on our blog where we have lots of extra content, um, some things that we forget to talk about in the episodes, and also just some fun memes and things that you might find entertaining. Yeah, and also I think I mentioned it earlier, but we have our Twitter, which is Let's Talk MFT. Uh, go make sure you're going following that. Um, we share theories, which obviously we're Marvel fan theories, so um, that's the point. You know, let's talk. <laughs> um, but we share theories, memes, everything on Twitter. I like to share stuff with all of you, and I like when you share it all with me. So make sure you're checking that out because that's probably the most direct way to interact with us at any time. And especially when the movies and content is coming out, it's a great way to just get quick messages out to everyone about, hey, this just happened, like, holy nuts. So as always, make sure you guys are keeping up with the content. There is a lot coming our way towards the end of this year. We've got Hawkeye, and we obviously have Spider-Man, which I know everybody is already like freaking out about so make sure you're keeping up with all the content because marvel just blew your mind so let's talk about it